0: Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Let me state something that you already know, and then I want to do a deep dive into this thing that you already know. Here it is a very simple statement. What comes out of your mouth when you do not get your way reveals your theology of suffering and your theology of God which shows your Christian maturity. One of the best ways to examine yourself, to see where you are in your Christian maturity, is to listen to what you say, not when you get what you want, but when disappointment comes. A sound, robust theology of suffering is vital for every Christian to not just understand, but to also practically apply in their lives. A theology of suffering is real, it will never go away, and we must engage it. Of course, we are more than conquerors, we have the ability through that power of Christ that works in us. And so we have a theology of suffering that actually provides a kind of grace and endurance that permits us to live victorious lives. But if you want to examine yourself and to see where you are on the maturity scale, well, just take note of how you respond when you don't get your way. Because Jesus was correct when He said that what comes out of our mouths explains what is happening in our hearts. To get the truest assessment of what's going on in your heart, listen to the words that you say. You know that this text is Luke 6 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So I want you to spend some time thinking about how you have recently reacted to different disappointments in your life so that you can get a good bead on your level of Christian maturity. The title of this podcast is, the it's a wine meter question wine is w h i n e a wine meter a wine meter question and here's the question i want life on my own terms and i think most of us would like to have life on our own terms but if you as you have already deduced from what i've said in the introduction there is a thing called a theology of suffering and that implies among many things is that we do not get Our life on our own own terms. Therefore, what I have here is an infographic, and I would love for you to take a look at it. It's embedded in this article. This this infographic I call the wine meter, the complaining meter, the grumbling meter, but it would be more accurate to call it the worship meter. Because all of life is worship. Whether you are grumbling or praising, you are worshiping. If you are grumbling, well, obviously, you are worshiping the wrong thing. Your desires, your wants, and your frustration because you're not getting what you want. The praise meter, obviously, we are worshiping God. And so there's an infographic here that shows this spectrum from whining. Are you a whining worshiper or are you a praising worshiper? The wine meter. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. If you have any questions about this podcast or anything else that we're doing, I would love for you to jump on our forums and let me know all about it. We would love to interact with whatever your questions may be. Perhaps you're going through a season of adversity and you need someone to come alongside you. We would love to give you advice as much as we can and as often as we can to help you with whatever you are struggling with. There are many people who have come to our forums today. It is what they do every day, and it is our privilege to serve you, to serve the folks who come to us. And so if you want to do that, please do. By the way, we will be in Trenton, Michigan, in September 2019. I just had a wonderful conversation this morning, a little over an hour with their pastor, Ken. And Ken and I talked about what he wants to do in that conference and how we will be able to serve him in the fall of 2019. And so if you would like for me to come to speak at your church or your organization to do discipleship, sanctification, counselor training, whatever it would be along those lines, then just please give us a call or Uh, What you can do is you can drop a note, send an email, and we would be more than happy. I would love to talk with you about that and see what we can do. Again, if you want to read this article on our website, Wine Meter Question, I want life on my own terms. Let me give you three illustrations of what I'm talking about. The interstate is a parking lot. Biff is in a traffic jam and his executive board is waiting for him to start the meeting. Guess what? Biff will be late. Mabel is over at her neighbor's house slandering her husband. Many appeals for him to change has fallen on deaf ears. Marge cried herself to sleep last night. Again. She says it's because of her battling parents. She has lost hope that they will ever change. What about you? How do you respond to trials? My question is not about being tried, but how do you react during those times when trouble comes and stays? To be discomforted in life is as assured as death and taxes. There are some things you can count on. And personal suffering is one of those things. It's part of the package that comes with the gift of life. I'm talking about the gift of eternal life. You see, in Philippians 1.29, Paul said, "...for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in Him, the gift of eternal life, but you should also suffer for His sake." One of our students read this verse recently, and they made that note in their homework assignment, a student in our Mastermind program, and they said that was one of those aha moments that we have been given two gifts at regeneration, the gift of salvation, eternal life, and the gift of suffering. And because suffering is guaranteed, it's essential to give reflective thought on how to respond when you don't get your way. When disappointment comes knocking, if you listen to what I say, if you listen to me over a period of time, you will know who I am. Even though you cannot see my heart, you can discern my heart by what comes out of my mouth. And nothing will give you more clarity about my heart than in those moments when I don't get my way during seasons of personal comfort, and self-control, I can fake you out because there are no challenges. There are no disruptions to my desires. It is during times when I do not get my way while being discomforted that you will realize my practical theology you see, we have a theology that we can take a test and we can pass it. We can check all the boxes and probably ace the theological exam. But we have another theology, a practical theology, a functional theology. And sometimes there is a, a disparity between the theology that we know and the theology that we practice on a daily basis. Now, Paul says that we have a better answer than uh, responding poorly to our adversity. There's a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. Listen to Paul as he talks about, one, the benefit of suffering. I want you to hear this, these uh, verses here, and I want you to think about the positiveness of suffering and what it produces in us. Paul says in Romans 5, 3-5, through, through him... Through Christ, we have also obtained access like a doorway, a passageway by faith into what? Into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But it's more than that, Paul says, more than that. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Do you see the progression in Paul's language here in Romans 3? It begins by faith. Faith is the entrance into grace. And on that grace, we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice also in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Paul is teaching that our faith has given us access to the grace of God. And it is through that grace that we stand. Here is the fourfold progression of Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Listen to this. There are four elements here. Granting, accessing, enabling, producing. Here's how it goes. Granting. God grants us the gift of faith. He says, come into the family. I I grant you repentance. You now have have faith. It is yours. It It is a gift. That is the granting. And because of that, step number two in Paul's progression, accessing. Because of the faith that the Lord provides, we have access to God's grace, His riches, granting Accessing, and the next in his progression, is enabling. It is God's grace that allows us to interact with personal suffering. And guess what? God grants us faith. We now have access to God's grace because he has granted faith. And because we have this grace, we are enabled to interact with suffering and what does suffering do? Producing, personal suffering produces endurance, character, and hope. That is Paul's fourfold progression through Romans 5:3 through 5, 3-5, granting faith, accessing grace, enabling to work or interact with suffering, and that produces endurance, character, and hope. How are you living in the grace that God is providing you? Well, there's a way to assess that. Your response to suffering reveals the answer to my question. Difficulties do not necessarily have to have a purpose in themselves. Suffering is suffering. Everybody suffers. Even the unregenerate world suffers. You are not different from them. They are not different from you in that way. They become sick. They die. They are in traffic accidents. They divorce just like the Christian community. The difference between the unregenerate person who suffers and the believer who suffers is God. Though our lost friends experience the realities of suffering, none of them find faith, grace, endurance, character, hope in their suffering— Christians are the only ones who can experience God through suffering because they have a relationship with Him and they understand that He is working in their adverse circumstances. It is God who is producing Christ in our lives through suffering. Suffering does not produce divine character qualities. It doesn't. Suffering doesn't produce that. If that were true, the lost person would mature through suffering like a Christian. But it is God working through our adversity, bringing out His good purposes in our lives. In the three illustrations, Biff, late for traffic, Mabel, slandering her husband, Marge... Thinking about her battling parents, they have two options. One, they can either fixate on their problems or two, they can center their thoughts on God who is seeking to form Christ in them by the difficulties they are experiencing. The words you choose to talk about your problems will provide the information you need to understand the extent to which you need to calibrate your heart. The God-centered heart produces God-centered language, words, according to the model that Paul lays out in Romans 5:3 through 5 3-5. This kind of person talks about his problems as, as one who is enduring, enduring through his issues, a person who is fortified even though suffering persists. The character of God, which can be understood by the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to know what the character of God is like, what God is like, one of the great templates in Scripture is Galatians 5, through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is a part of the character of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the character of Christ, which can be understand by the, understood by the fruit of the Spirit, will be evident to others through your speech patterns. When I listen to people who, who talk about their problems or the adversity in their lives, these are the things that I'm listening for. Am I hearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control? Those things will reveal the hope you have in God as He steadies you through the storms of life. But if you're like me, you're not at that place in your pursuit of Christ-like maturity. I don't want you to read. I don't want you to upload. I don't want you to think that I have arrived in the very things that I am teaching you. As I've said many times at my articles are my devotions. They are the things that God is teaching me, and I write them out, not as one who has attained, but one who is working out his salvation as you are. And if you are like me, then I have a few helpful questions for you to discuss with the Lord and with a few of your friends. Here are three things that I want you to consider. When you talk about your problems, what do you sound like most of the time? Problem-centered or... God centered. Maybe I should ask, do you know the difference? Number two, does faith in Christ come through your speech patterns? Or are you more characterized by other things? And then number three, as an action plan, will you discuss your answers to those two questions with a close friend? Will you do that? And again, if you want to read this article, if you want to read what I'm sharing with you, Please go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this title, Wine Meter Question. I want life on my own terms. You can read everything that I have here. There are other articles that are also embedded here. And then you can look at my infographic, the wine meter or the worship meter infographic. Christ died on a, a Roman cross. Let that sink in for a while. You see, living in a first-world culture can dupe you into believing that life is supposed to go according to all your desires. Here's the sentence again. Christ died on a Roman cross, an innocent man put to death by mean, cruel people. Living in a first world culture can dupe you into believing that life is supposed to go according to all your desires. This problem is where a sound theology of suffering is so vital to living well in God's world. When we align ourselves to God's work in our lives, we are actively participating in His grace story. He is working in you to produce the fruit of the Spirit. God will not give you the life that you desire. He will provide you with the experience that you need to produce the good that He wants for you This truth is just one of many ways in which the gospel should practically function in your life. The longer you resist the good that He is seeking to produce in your life, the way that He wants to provide it, the longer it will take you to experience the God of all comfort and the Father of mercies. You see, your goal should not primarily be how to overcome your troubles. So many people make that mistake. Their first and only call to action when trouble comes into their lives is to overcome it. Your goal is to be comforted in your suffering by the comfort that God provides so you can comfort others. Many of you know exactly where I'm coming from. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Uh, Let me state what I said earlier again. It's that important. Your goal should not primarily be how to overcome your troubles. Your goal is to be comforted in your suffering by the comfort that God provides so you can comfort others. If your primary goal is to remove your suffering, you will more than likely live a miserable life. Life is not about getting rid of your suffering as though that is the chief aim of our lives. That's myopic thinking that is foolish, futile, and misses out on the good work that God is doing in your life. Problem-centered thinking is a mindset that never sees God. The God-centered person approaches suffering from the expectation that God is working good in his life. He is patiently enduring, growing in character while living in hope. May I ask you a few questions? Are you enduring under the weight of your trouble? How is the character of Christ being formed in you? These are so vital, these questions. Number three, are you more hope-filled than hopeless? The God-centered Christian is maturing through the suffering because of what God is producing in him. He can do what he could not do before— which is to comfort others with the same comfort in which he has experienced comfort from God. I'm not going to get into the details of my uh, life, my past life, and what God has done to bring this ministry about. But what I'm sharing with you, I have lived that life of horrific disappointment and heartache on on an unbelievable level. And God did not remove it from my life But what he began to do is to work in that suffering, producing his character in that suffering so that I could do the very thing that I'm doing right now is to bring comfort to others. Do you want to be a discipler for Christ? We were saved to glorify God by sharing His message of hope to as many people as possible. We are called to help others know and experience God in the way in which we have experienced Him. Because of the fall of Adam and the subsequent curse of suffering, we live in a world of hurting people. That is why it is essential for all of us not only to understand suffering, but to live in the grace that God provides As Peter said in 2.21, chapter 1, "...for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps." The mind that has been reoriented by the gospel perceives suffering as an opportunity to put Christ on display in the world. I want to give you a few faith statements that have this view in mind, I want to give you four faith statements that, have, that has this God-centered view of suffering in mind. Number one, faith statement. I understand that God is good and that He is working good into every minute of my life, regardless of what those minutes are like to me. Faith statement two from a God-centered person. I am empowered to live in the grace of God even in my harshest struggles, faith statement three. I am living in His goodness because I can endure even though the struggles in my life are not changing. And then finally, faith statement number four. I am now able to be a disciple maker, helping those who need the comfort that God has used to comfort me. The call of God is not just about you feeling better or even getting over your problems. The purpose of knowing God is to be used by God. When you suffer, the question is not, why me, but who else is struggling and how can I help them? That is the question that God wants us to answer during our times of suffering. That is how Paul understood his adversity in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, three through seven, about being comforted by God and comforting others with the comfort with which we have been comforted. God wants our holiness to be more important to us than our definition of happiness which is why he is producing Christ in us through the crucible of suffering uh, so that we will be empowered and enabled to help others. The title of this podcast is Wine Meter Question. I want life on my own terms. Here's your call to action. In addition to all the questions that I've asked you, that I've sprinkled throughout this podcast that you can read if you want to, Uh, get this article. I would love for you to do that. I have a few more questions for your consideration. Mainly, how are you stewarding your trials? How are you stewarding your suffering, your adversity, and your disappointments? From God's worldview, which is the only correct worldview, we are to see things from His perspective. When you think about God in your suffering, here are three questions for you. When you think about God and your suffering, what is, going, what is God doing through your pain? What is God doing through your pain? Number two, what are the useful purposes that He is producing in your life? And finally, number three, when you think about God and your suffering, how are you comforting others through God's work in your life? only when you see suffering as purposeful will you be able to see suffering as powerful where's your focus in your times of adversity now with all these things in mind i have produced a a worship meter infographic that comprises some of the more common responses to personal suffering trouble and life inconveniences now i have divided this worship meter into two parts in one part, my worship of God is more about whining when I don't get what I want. Or, part two, my worship of God is more about praising when I don't get what I want. Now, I want to give you a list of the things, list of items that are in the in this worship meter. I did not list any of these things in a, a order of priority. I just separated them into the two distinct camps. The whining worshiper is in one distinct camp, and the praising worshiper is in the other distinct camp. And remember, all of life is worship. So whatever you're doing, whatever's coming out of your mouth, you are worshiping. So here are some manifestations of the whining worshiper in no particular order. Denial haughty, anger, depressed, guilt, jealous, shame, envy, overwhelmed, defeated, discouragement, resentment, fear, bitterness, surprise, why me? Opposition to God, blame, wrong expectation. Those are some of the characteristics or manifestations of the whining worshiper. Do you do any of those things? All right, here are the manifestations of the praising worshiper. In no particular order, praise, contentment, peace, gratitude, trust, purpose-filled, clarity, meaning you have God's worldview, hope, stability, right expectation, God-centered confidence, progress with God, humility, progress with others, anticipation, endurance, Christ-like disciple-maker, a comforter of others. Will you ask the Father to help you wrestle through and apply the truths in this podcast to your life? What are you primarily? Not, a, not what are you one time today or maybe one time last week, but what are you generally characterized as? A whining worshiper or a praise worshiper? The title of the podcast, Wine Meter Question. I want life on my own terms. Thank you so much for listening.